0: Turn now in your Bibles to Acts chapter 21. Acts chapter 21. We're going to read verses 1 through 16. I invite you to stand out of respect for the reading of God's word. And when we had parted from them and set sail, we came by a straight course to Kaz, and the next day to Rhodes, and from there to Patara. And having found a ship crossing to Phoenicia, we went aboard and set sail. When we had come in sight of Cyprus, leaving it on the left, we sailed to Syria and landed at Tyre, for there the ship was to unload its cargo. And having sought out the disciples, we stayed there for seven days. And through the Spirit they were telling Paul not to go on to Jerusalem. When our days there were ended, we departed and went on our journey, and they all, with wives and children, accompanied us until we were outside the city. And kneeling down on the beach, we prayed and said farewell to one another. Then we went on board the ship, and they returned home. When we had finished the voyage from Tyre, we arrived at Ptolemaeus, and we greeted the brothers and stayed with them for one day. On the next day, we departed and came to Caesarea, and we entered the house of Philip the Evangelist, who was one of the seven, and stayed with him. He had four unmarried daughters who prophesied. While we were staying for many days, a prophet named Agabus came down from Judea. And coming to us, he took Paul's belt and bound his own feet and hands and said, Thus says the Holy Spirit, This is how the Jews at Jerusalem will bind the man who owns this belt and deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. When we heard this, we and the people there urged him not to go up to Jerusalem. Then Paul answered, What are you doing, weeping and breaking my heart? For I am ready not only to be imprisoned, but even to die in Jerusalem for the sake, for the name of our Lord Jesus. And since he would not be persuaded, we ceased and said, Let the will of the Lord be done. After these days, we got ready and went up to Jerusalem. And some of the disciples from Caesarea went with us, bringing us to the house of Meneason of Cyprus, an early disciple with whom we should lodge. The grass withers, the flower fades, for the word of our God abides forever. Amen. You may be seated. We come to chapter 21 in our our sermon series to the Acts of the Risen Lord Jesus. And uh, chapter 21... Uh, is interesting, first of all, because you come to an end of Paul's missionary journeys. This is where the third missionary journey ends, and, and we, we come to the final section of the book of Acts, which is really going to focus in on Paul and what happens as he goes to Jerusalem. Uh, but there's something else interesting about the book of uh, the chapter, chapter 21 the one of the book of Acts, and it's this, that scholars really have a hard time with this passage, And here's what I mean. This passage is either showing Paul, the apostle, in his greatest moment, or Paul, the apostle, in his greatest mistake. It's either Paul, the brave or Paul, the foolish. And there is no small discussion as to what we're looking at here. Um, The the reason it's so controversial is because what we see here is Paul has set his mind to go to Jerusalem. His heart is set on going to Jerusalem to Jerusalem, uh, where he knows he's going to suffer. And he's probably going, it's probably going to dispel his end uh, because uh, there's people there who are determined to kill him. And there's a conspiracy hatched to put an end to him there and his gospel preaching. Um, and, and Paul is, is determined to go there. Why does Paul want to go there so much? Well, uh, we learn later in uh, his his letters that he has um, an offering that he's gathered from the Gentiles who have come to believe in Jesus. And he wants to take that offering to the Jews uh, who have become believers in Jesus. And he wants to get there on the day of Pentecost. Why? Well, because that's the birthday of uh, the New Covenant Church. And, and what, what Paul wants to do is he wants to go full circle. He wants to take all these gifts that have been hatched by the baby, uh, by baby Christians who have been engrafted into the people of Israel. And he wants to take them to uh, his fellow Jews there so that he might see his, his ministry go for, full circle as it will. Um, seeing uh, this, this act of gratitude and kindness, this offering that's been, uh, uh, been, been pulled together uh, by the Gentiles, delivered to the Jews so that God's people might be one. And Paul has it on his heart to do this. And yet, there's a lot of opposition to him doing that. Even his fellow Christians, even the majority of his fellow companions are saying, Paul, don't do it. Don't go there. And in fact, in verse 21, it says that uh, at one point, a group of Christians warned Paul in the spirit not to go to Jerusalem. So is Paul just being stubborn? Is the spirit trying to tell Paul, don't do it, don't go to Jerusalem, and and Paul just is insistent upon going there? Or is this the spirit's directing guidance all along that he ought to go to Jerusalem? And is it fellow Christians that are kind of getting in the way of what God's will is? This is the, this is the discussion. And we're going to look at that today. We're going to answer that. But, but this is not just a Bible study. This is God's word being preached. And so we must, we must receive God's exhortation. We must see, receive a letter, a lesson here for our own hearts. And the lesson, friends, I believe is this, that Paul, here is Paul the brave. He's supposed to go to Jerusalem. That's what the Spirit is directing him to do. And what it means for us is this, that if we know what God's will is, if we know what God wants us to do, then we must do it. And we must remain resolved to do that very thing. This passage is stirring us up to a resolve in the gospel, to live lives that are resolved, uh, to walk according to the will of the Lord, even when that is not the comfortable path. Notice in our passage, the pressure, the the immense pressure uh, on Paul to change course, to not go to Jerusalem. Warning after warning, foreshadowing that suffering awaits him. It's like this dark cloud looms over Paul and he knows that the closer he gets to Jerusalem, the closer he gets to his own end. That had to be really hard for Paul. I mean, think about this. Uh, God is going out of his way to show Paul what's going to happen. Now, suffering is hard enough when it sneaks up on us, right? We don't see it coming and it hits us. Um, you know, we, we, we get a diagnosis of a serious illness. I mean, that, that's hard. We, um, uh, we experience sudden persecution from coworkers. That's difficult. But when you know that suffering is coming... and and it's looming over you and you have to take step by step closer and closer to it, well, that's gotta be immensely difficult. And that's Paul. Paul knows that every time he gets on the boat and sails closer to Jerusalem, he's sailing closer to incredible suffering. And God is showing that to Paul. You're getting closer to suffering, Paul. You're getting closer to Jerusalem. Get ready for it. Be prepared for it. But what's even harder for Paul, we know it's harder because he tells us, is the pushback that he gets from people, from fellow Christians. Uh, It starts with that hard goodbye to the Ephesian elders. And we saw that last week. He meets them on the beach and um, there's weeping. It says there's weeping and there's this long goodbye where they're holding on to him. Paul, do you really have to go? And he said, I'm persuaded that that's what God's having me do. Yes, I have to go. And said, Paul, please, can't you stay? Can't you minister? There's still work to be done here. We need you, Paul. Don't leave. And, and and through tears, he has to pull himself away and get on the boat and leave those co-labors, trusting that the Lord is going to do right by the church, by the sheep, through them. And then Paul arrives in the city of Tyre, which, uh, by the way, within your, your uh, bulletin is a little map. And it'll help you kind of trace this journey from Paul to Jerusalem that happens in this passage. Uh, so, so Paul moves um, along his, his course until he arrives in the city of Tyre. In the city of Tyre, he meets a bunch of Christians who are so happy to see him. And there's this rich, this warm fellowship. Um, the whole church um, is involved in, in greeting and talking to Paul. and But what do they say? They say, Paul. We hear you're going to Jerusalem. Don't do that. In fact, the Holy Spirit has shown us the persecutions that await you. Paul, we need you to know, don't go to Jerusalem. And it says that as he goes to get on the boat and go to Jerusalem, the whole church, including wives and kids, follow him to the beach and beg him not to go. Now, that's got to be, that had to be painstaking. In fact, what does he say to them? You're breaking my heart. My heart is with you. I love to be with you in this warm fellowship, but I've got to go. You're breaking my heart. Don't make this harder than it has to be. And then he arrives in Caesarea where he's enjoying some, some some fellowship with Philip the Evangelist, with with uh, with the daughters of Philip who are Christians. And then all of a sudden, Agabus, who's a prophet, he shows up and he grabs Paul's belt and he wraps it around himself. And he says in this kind of vivid, dramatic statement that we see from the Old Testament prophets and that kind of style, he says, so will the Jews do to you, Paul. They're going to bind you up. They're going to take you a prisoner. This will be your end if you go to Jerusalem. I mean, at this point, Paul has to say, enough. I get what's coming. I get that I'm going to suffer. But then the other Christians that heard Agabus's prophecy, what do they say? Paul, this means that you cannot go to Jerusalem. Don't do it. And at this point, it shows that everyone, even including Luke, is begging him to turn back. We know that because what does it say? It says, we, we told him not to go. So here, everyone that Paul's around is is begging, don't do it. Don't go to Jerusalem. Make a U-turn. So Paul says, you're breaking my heart, but I must go. I, I can't change course. He's convinced and he's convinced because look back at chapter 20, verse 22. You'll notice there that Paul says in verse 22, Behold, I am going to Jerusalem constrained by the Spirit, not knowing what will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies to me in every city that imprisonments and afflictions await me. You see, Paul is not convinced by some stubborn pride, some mistaken zeal. He's convinced because the Spirit has spoken to him and constrained him to go. He's constrained by the word of God to go to Jerusalem. And what's happening is Paul's companions are interpreting the spirit's warnings as prohibitions. But really, they should be interpreting them as what? As preparations. Not prohibitions, not don't go to Jerusalem, but get ready for what's coming in Jerusalem. And so when it says in verse 21 that they were... Um, that they spoke, that 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 they, they they spoke to Paul in the Spirit about not going to Jerusalem. It seems that what's happening there is the Spirit has has shown them what's awaiting Paul, and they've taken that and they've said, "Well, he can't go." It's, there's a lesson for us here. We can be so quick to know what God's will is for someone else, can't we? Hello, my name is Phil in the blank. And I have a wonderful plan for your life. I mean, I mean, God has a wonderful plan for your life. And here's what it is. Let me tell you exactly what it is. Now, now let me let me say this. There are some things that we know for sure are God's um, God's will for salvation, right? We can we can say to someone, "Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and, and you can be saved." That's not an optional thing. It's not, "Hey, if you want Jesus, you can have him." If not. Um, it, it's God's will that Christians come uh, gather uh, in fellowship and, and, and worship him together it's God's will that we walk in obedience but there are those fuzzy areas there are those gray areas of the Christian life where we have to be careful lest we become like, uh, like, like the Christians in this text we need to be careful um, uh, to, to not insert um, uh, I, I know what God's will is for your life I know who you are to marry I know where you're to go to school I know what your career ought to be we, we need to be careful there a basic point, but I think it's worth making as we observe what the people are doing in this passage. But perhaps the more prominent point uh, to learn is this, that that we can try to make God's will fit with our own preconceived notions. So that when the people see in Jerusalem, Paul is going to suffer, and they say, well, that, that can't be God's will to go and suffer. We need to keep Paul safe. Someone needs to protect this man. He's preaching the good news. He can't go suffer. He can't can't go be arrested. Then who's going to preach the gospel? That can't be God's will. And when they think of of Paul leaving them, they say, well, that can't be God's will. He's such a a blessing to us. Paul can't leave us. We need him here. How is he going to do God's will if he's not preaching to us and serving us? Here's the reality check. Sometimes God's will isn't what we want. It's not what we would choose. It's not the comfortable path. What were we discussing last Wednesday at home group with, um, uh, with Thomas Brooks? That sometimes God's providence means suffering. Sometimes it crosses what we would choose. And that's difficult, isn't it? We say, well, well, I would do this. (laughs) I would choose this course. Let's keep things comfortable. Let's, Let's keep things safe. And then God brings death and disease and persecution and suffering our way. And we say, Lord, where are you? How can this be your will? Sometimes... The will of the Lord, the reality check of the will of the Lord. Sometimes it means that sons and daughters go to the mission field. You know, I remember, um, uh, a friend of mine told his parents, I'm seeing every indication that the Lord is calling me to serve as a missionary. And they said, that, that can't be God's will. No, because he's put you here with us. And, and we actually know what, what God, what God's will is for your life. He says, Every indication, even my church, encouraging me to go and serve on the mission field. Sometimes it means pastors pivoting to a new call. Even when there are tears, don't go, we don't want to lose you. Sometimes a pastor pivoting to another place is is a game for another mission field. Sometimes it means scorn from the world because of our commitment to the truth. Sometimes it means saying uncomfortable things to people. Sometimes it means... Oh, you are you're a pastor in China and you preach the good news and you know, likelihood is tomorrow I'm going to get a knock on my door and they're going to take me to prison. But who am I to not preach the word? That's God's will. Who am I to disguise or water down the truth? You see, the people finally get it they come to their senses and they say you know paul if we can't persuade you to stay here to not go to jerusalem then the, the lord's will be done the lord's will be done and sometimes that's exactly in fact that's that's what we need to say we don't understand this we don't understand why why a fellow believer is persuaded of something uh, but we support you in the gospel. Sometimes that's all we can say. And perhaps the Spirit is is, is bringing this text to us at this time because some of us need that this morning. We need to be able to say, I can't control what other people are doing. I can try to explain to them that I don't think their path is the optimal one. But if they're not walking in sin, then, then, then I must just say, the Lord's will be done. The Lord bless you. The Lord work work through this providence. Now let's pivot from the people to Paul. If Paul here is, is dead set on something that is good, which I think he is, he's following the Lord's will. What is it that we can learn from him? So... If from the people we see pressure to change course, and we see Paul bearing up under that pressure, what is it about Paul that keeps him locked on his purpose? Because we can learn from that. Well, the first thing we see, and there's three things that we ought to learn uh, from Paul's course, from his purpose. The first thing we learn is that he set his course by the compass of God's revealed will. He set his course by the compass of God's revealed will. And Compass is a handy metaphor here, right? Because Paul is literally sailing to Jerusalem. And it's like he has his compass compass set, and he's saying, I'm going to Jerusalem, and I'm going to lock my course in there. Why? He says that because we we already heard, that's what God has revealed is his will for Paul. Acts chapter 9, verse 16, uh, the risen Savior says, This one, this apostle has to learn how much he must suffer for me. And so Paul already knows that his future is not some some, uh, blissful uh, writing letters from the comfort of a library, but rather it's suffering. Jesus has already shown him that. And so Paul sets the compass of, of his direction of life set on the trajectory that God's revealed will has already uh, stated for his life. And so must we, we've got to spend time in the scriptures in order to understand what God's will is for our lives. Now, we are not the apostle Paul. We do not have some of the privileges of apostleship. And so what I don't want you to take away from this is some sort of uh, stubborn independence and insistence that uh, you, you've arrived at exactly what God's will is and you're going to do it. No one can convince you. You're not going to listen to anyone. No. What did we hear last week? That you need shepherds, that you're sheep, that we are sheep. And so you do this in community with other believers and with leaders who are going to sit down with you. And, and you're saying, I, I'm trying to wrestle through what God's will is for my life. I think it's this. Can you help me? And together opening the scriptures thinking of your circumstances you're going you're going to wrestle through this and you're going to work through it. And once you understand, once you once you slowly and this is a lifelong process, right? Understanding what the will of the Lord is for your walk for your specific walk in life. Then you 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 stay. You stay on that course. Paul set his course by the compass of God's revealed will. So you open the scriptures. I've seen way too many people. I'm, I'm, I'm going to return uh, to a point I just made. The, the warning ag- against a stubborn kind of insistence uh, uh, that, would, uh, that would lead you to say, I know what God's will is for my life, and yet you haven't used his means to discern that. Um, there, there was one time I was talking with someone, uh, a barber who was cutting my hair. And, um, uh, and this person told me, uh, that she was getting a divorce, uh, because she just wasn't interested in her husband anymore, that, that they just weren't on good terms anymore, that, uh, uh, that, that they'd, they'd outgrown their love for one another. And, and, and it was obvious that the will of the Lord was for them not to be together. And I thought, that's crazy. That's not the will of the Lord. You open the scriptures and and we see a totally different story about marriage, about perseverance, about the will of the Lord is, uh, is for us to, uh, to endure even suffering in a difficult marriage. And so don't be too quick to say, I know what the Lord's will is for my life. That comes through opening the word and through the counsel of, of, of wise leaders who surround you. But once you know what the will of the Lord is, you set your compass on that. So the so the person who was struggling in the marriage said, It's not an option for me to jettison this thing. I'm going to work for the, the vows I've made. I'm going to stay committed to it as much as I can be, as much as I can all the way. I'm not going to throw aside my marriage. The will of the Lord is that I stay invested. So Paul sets his course by the compass of God's revealed will. Paul also, here's the other thing, he did not veer from that course in order to please people. He did not veer from that course in order to please people. And so if we, if we look at Galatians chapter 1, verse 10, Paul says this. He says, For am I now seeking the approval of man? Or of God, am I Am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. And this is Paul's attitude. This is what leads him unswervingly to Jerusalem. You see, if Paul's primary aim was to make the Ephesian elders happy or to receive approval uh, from the believers at Tyre, then he never would have made it to Jerusalem. He never would have written Colossians, Ephesians, uh, Philippians. Um, and, and we would... You see, he never would have uh, learned through suffering that Christ is his greatest joy. We will be tempted at every point in our lives, friends, to veer from God's will. Why? Because we want to please people. Because we fear men more than we fear God. Even people we love, even people who who feel they they know what's best for us. You need to know that there are many backseat drivers in the Christian life. Say, make a U turn, make a U turn, make a U turn. We need to listen to them because it's foolish to disregard them. But we cannot live to please them, we cannot live to to merely please other people. We live to please the Lord to bask in his glory, to follow his will. And finally, Paul was able to stick to this course because he trusted God's sovereign control over his life. Paul says, he says, whatever happens in Jerusalem, it's the design of, of, of my all powerful God who knows the end from the beginning. If it means I suffer, so be it. If it means I die, then to Christ be the glory. There's a quote from from a a pastor. He says, no healthy saint chooses suffering. What he means is this. No one just says, yeah, give me more suffering. I want to suffer. Whatever the, uh, the, 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 the quickest path to suffering is, I'll take that one. No one does that. Paul's not encouraging you to do that. But the healthy saint chooses God's will like Jesus did whether it means suffering or not. Are you committed to choosing the path that is God's will, whether it means suffering or not? Staying faithful to your marriage, even if that means suffering? Proclaiming Jesus to those who need to hear him, even if it means you lose your popularity, you don't get that job promotion? Are you committed to living not by lies, by, by speaking truth? Even if it means that the world not only frowns on you, but, but sends a major kick your way? This is what we learn from Paul. There is someone that I thought of this week I thought of this lesson from Paul, this this resolve, this dedication, um, I thought of him uh, from a movie I watched recently, uh, A Hidden Life, and this is the story of a Christian in Austria during the time of World War II, Uh, Franz uh, Jägerstatter. This brother in Christ, this believer, was persuaded uh, by God's word that he could not make a vow, could not make an oath to Hitler. He could not do that. And yet he goes and he consults all these different people around him and they say, do you understand if you don't make that vow, if you don't swear a loyalty to always do what Hitler would have you do, that they're going to kill you, that this is going to be the end of you, that this is going to be the end of your family. And he, he says, OK, let me spend a bit more time wrestling over this And 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 and. And uh, the the city gives him more time to wrestle over this, although they're starting to to put pressure and persecute him. And then finally, Franz says, "I, I cannot do this. My final word, I will not take this oath. Spoiler alert. He does this all the way to his imprisonment and even his death. The Lord's will be done. And you look at that, you get to the end of the movie, and at least I was like, how how is this the Lord's will? And yet what an encouragement he's been to those who have heard his story. He did what was right. He did what was the Lord's will. He lived not by lies, but by truth. You know who this reminds me of, Paul? You know who Paul reminds me of? Jesus. There's no mistake as we read this passage that everything about this passage is is making us remember Christ. Paul is saying, I got to go to Jerusalem. What do we hear in in Luke chapter 9? Jesus saying, I've got to go to Jerusalem. He sets his face like flint to go there, even though he says, guess what it's going to mean? I'm going to suffer, and it's going to mean my eventual death. And so Paul is being conformed in every way to his Savior. This is what it means to live the Lord's will. It means that the same Savior who saves us and who wraps us with his love and his grace and who forgives us of his sins, of our sins, rather, now he becomes our template for discipleship so that we say, I'm setting my course by the compass of God's revealed will, just like Jesus. I'm not veering from that course in order to please people just like Jesus. I'm trusting in God's sovereign control over my life no matter what happens, even if it means suffering, just like Jesus. And so friends, I want you to know you are called by this passage to walk in this way, even if your life means suffering, to follow the will of the Lord. But friends, You need to know that the sweetness of this is that as you follow the will's Lord unto suffering, you're just being conformed more to the pattern of your Savior. You're looking more like Jesus. I pray that you would know the the Lord's will, which certainly means believing on Christ, faith in him, and even in the gray areas, the difficult areas. That he would give you wisdom and a commitment to follow Christ even when it means suffering for his sake. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the clarity you give in your, in your word. And Lord, this is one of those passages that is tough because we read it and, and we struggle. In fact, it seems that this passage is meant to make us squirm a bit. Could this really be the will of God that a servant should suffer? And yet, it was your will. It is your will. That in pursuit of glory, we follow Christ through suffering. So Lord, help us to be prepared for that. Help us to learn from the example of Paul. Imitate him, but really to be imitators uh, all the more of Jesus. Lord, help us not veer from the path you would have us to walk on, but by faith and humble submission to your word, help us to discern what the will of the Lord is. And so know, through greater heights, the love of the Savior. We pray this in Christ's name, amen.